You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hi everybody, this is episode 82 of the Broken Meeple Show. I'll just double check that you can't see the ring light in my glasses. I don't think it's... Oh, actually, there it is. Yeah, I'm going to take my glasses off, I think, for this. But yeah, thanks for joining me today. This is the weekend before GridCon. I will see you all there on Thursday. Um, I'm going to go there and work for the day um, from... I'm going to travel there about lunchtime. I'm going to work for the rest of the day to make up my hours. And then I'm going to be gaming Thursday evening and then I'm there the whole weekend. So GridCon being uh, Paul Grogan's convention that he runs every... Oh, at least once or twice a year. It's all... I think it's usually once a year now. But it's always a solid convention. Loads of people wanting to play all sorts of games. You know, the charity raffle, the bring and buy. It's just a good conglomerate of people in a decent area because, well, I say decent area. It's in the West Country, so that's slightly biased, but it's also in my hometown of Taunton, which, um, as much as I came from Taunton, Taunton is a bit of a shell compared to what it used to be. I remember more fond memories of it in the 90s when I was growing up through secondary school and college, but when I've driven back through there in recent years, Man has the economic climate not being kind to my hometown. It really has gone down. But uh, I digress. You're there for the convention, not for the town centre. So that should be cool next week. Uh, Health-wise, generally fine. I have caught a slight cold. Not not a massive one, but just a slight cold for my dad. <laughs> Bless him. He had a bit of a cold. We took... We treated my dad, uh, me and my brothers, we treated my dad to a London weekend break last, uh, was it last weekend or weekend before? Um, might have been last weekend. And, is it 12th? Yeah, last weekend. And we went to London and did all sorts of stuff. We played pool, we played darts, because we're both into, we both like doing those as a family. We talked about nostalgic stuff when we were kids. Uh, we went we went drinking, went to restaurants, uh, we went to the National History Museum. That was boring as anything. I'm not a museum person. Uh, but we also went to see the play that goes wrong uh, at uh, Duchess Theatre. And I have not laughed so much in any film or TV or theatre production in a long time as much as that that was hilarious i want to see anything else at this page the you know the people who did that show i want to see their other stuff now and the peter pan goes wrong and all that stuff because it was just hilarious you get a chance to go see it see it um but yeah it was a good weekend around but my dad had a bit of a cold well I say cold chest infection um and he i managed to stave off <laughs> i had to share the room with him now, I don't have a proper full-on cold, but my throat was not already great at the time, and my throat has slightly worsened as a result of sharing a room with him, so I should be able to stave off some of that by uh, GridCon because I'm doing every treatment in the book. I am resting the voice outside of the blog stuff as much as I can. Uh, I am taking ginger shots, every ginger and turmeric shots every morning, so, you know, to stave off... Uh, uh, stuff like that. I am. I've now got manuka honey, which I put in my tea now. You know the the thick stuff. You know the stuff that costs an arm and a leg in stores. I'm trying that out, and you know just basically every type of home remedy in the book to mitigate stuff like that. 
and I'll be seeing a GP on Thursday to check into my throat, and then I'm seeing the throat specialist uh, like privately, um, twenty uh, like, uh, but next week actually, yeah, I think next week, um, I'll be seeing them. So you know, I'm, I'm seeing people this month, and I'm gonna have it looked at and see what is going on, you know, to see if there's some you know damage from all the acid reflux stuff, or if there's other reasons why my throat's just been gr not grand the last few months. So yeah, we'll just see how that goes. But otherwise, generally. Pretty good, you know, not, not much other changes in my life, just plowing through all this Essen review stuff. I mean, you have seen video after video after video come out, and hopefully you've been enjoying them. But yeah, it's um been pretty busy. I mean, certainly the, subscri the subscribers are making a note of it. I mean, we're almost at the 21,500 mark, which is pretty good going, given that 21,000 doesn't feel like too long ago. But you can see that videos have just been piling out though passive kutna horror nucleum spellbook art society forest shuffle even for uh sweet mess uh, lands of galzier zoo tycoon and it's not even including like the other stuff like podcasts and you know best of september and people cull and stuff like that so yeah really going mad and there's more reviews to come this week in fact i have already now rendered and got ready to upload archaeologic redwood and Imperial Miners. So all three of those are going to come out um, over the next week uh, to on the basis that I'm going to be at GridCon, therefore won't be able to do any new recording at that stage. But hopefully in that time, I'll also be able to record the best of October, or best and worst of October. And obviously I've got more stuff to get played and reviewed. I mean, I've got to sort out a series, the Artipia Games uh, game. I've got to sort out Earthborn Rangers, which I currently have underneath this table that I am plowing through solo to get that ready for review. Uh, there will also be uh, Age of Innovation. That is due to be reviewed. What else have I got? Uh, a couple of things from Taiwan Board Design. I need to get played. Pirates of Maracaibo I need to get played. Um, I need to play Virtual Revolution. Uh, I need to play that one. What else is down there? Uh, nope, that seems about it down there. But yeah, and Septima I want to try and play as well. Although review for Septima will be a long time because Septima is not a review copy it's a kickstarter copy I've heard it's a bit fiddly to learn a bit fiddly to play and I think it's going to take me a while before I can really get to that one and it's not and because I've got other review copies to deal with I think Septima is just going to have to be low priority for now I mean it's not like you can easily get hold of it so we'll, we'll leave it at that but yeah lots of videos coming lots of videos come out you know, some have done pretty well. I mean, you know, I, the ones that aren't doing as well, I'm not surprised. You know, Spellbook, you know, is anybody, nobody was asking me for that. Sweet Mess is a shame that Sweet Mess is not doing much better because I think more people should know about it. But no surprise that Art Society and Nucleum and Kutna Horror have done very well. Uh, you know, very well. They were certainly games that people wanted to know about. And, you know, certainly just thank you because they take a while. They took a while to do. And I'm glad that they're doing well. So, yeah. Um, all pretty good. Uh, just more stuff to come, basically. So, watch this space. Uh, can't think of anything else. Uh, Blog-wise, well, one or two things actually. Uh, firstly, actually, do I need to mention? No, just one thing I want to mention. I know I've always said that I'm trying to get like top tens done, and 
you know, it's just impossible at the moment because of the time that everything's taking. But they will resume. It's just this is the period of the year where you've got to get through so many new releases because everything just comes out in one big lump and it just makes it hard to do other content. So, you know, as much as I love doing top 10s, I think you just have to accept people that it's very difficult to do top 10s in the October, November, December period of the year. Those three months are just very tricky to get those in. But, you know, service is going to resume. I mean, top 100 is going to get updated in January, February time when things calm down a bit. So, uh, you know, that's something to look forward to. And I am going to do a top 10 soon, a live one, in fact. It's going to be a live stream. I haven't set a date yet, but do you remember a Mr. Hilmar? I mean, if you live in Iceland, you're going to remember that name for sure. But you might remember there was a chap who joined me on a couple of live streams when I was at Essen. This was just basically when I was trying to do something from my like bedroom very quickly whilst trying to keep my throat under control. But here we go. Yeah, so... You know, they haven't done the best in views compared to my other live streams. But then, to be honest, Q&As, as you can see, don't do that well. And, you know, live stream vlogs don't do that well. But, you know, things like top 10s, for example, do fantastically. So that's always the way. But, you know, the thing is with vlogs, I just like to sit in front of a laptop and talk. That's all I want to do. It's just a conversation. But they don't do as well in terms of views. There are some people out there that do vlogs where they run around the convention with a camera and just going, look at me, look at me, I'm at this place, yay! And different strokes for different folks. But I can't stand those. I don't like watching those kind of vlogs because it's shaky cam, which always drives me nuts in movies. And I don't know, they just feel cringy. It's like watching Instagram reels, you know, the cringy ones where somebody's all like, la la la, here's my game, ha la la, here's my game. It's just, I feel like they're just so cringe and I can't watch them. But that means my vlogs don't usually get as many views. And also I was doing it literally from a tablet in my hotel room and the first one had pretty choppy quality because the internet sucked. So I will not be staying in that hotel next year, Essen. I'm going to get my own place, do my own live streams, probably solo. And yeah, do it properly, I think. But this is Mr. Hilmar, you know, who helps run Midgard and, you know, joined me on the stream. Yeah, we get on well. He's an absolute laugh. And we've got very, we've got mixed opinions when it comes to games. We agree on some stuff and don't agree on others. And it's a great, we always like go full it. You know, we don't hold back with each other's opinions so we've asked we said about doing a top 10 on the live stream and we're going to you know it's in it's planned we're going to do top 10 big box games now top 10 big box games is not just like quacks of quedlinburg big box century spice road big box isle of cats or what it was isle of sky big box not that kind of big box we're talking games that come in a giant box so you know i we haven't yet set the boundaries for this but for example Stuff like Rebellion and Forbidden Stars down there might be the bottom cusp of what considered a big box game. You know, because it takes up half a calic shelf. I think half a calic shelf is still fine. And obviously I can't include stuff like Pursuit here behind my head because that doesn't come in a big box normally. That is just a storage solution with all the expansions. I'm talking about a game that when you buy it, it comes in a massive box to hold everything. And it's just the base game, maybe one expansion or two that are mini from a Kickstarter or something, but they are just generally, if you buy the game, this is the box you've got to have it in. And with no other alternatives. So that's probably the definition I'm setting. Hilmar might have a different one, which is fine. 
but I'm just trying to think of examples. I mean, even Frostpunk, you know, the normal box that comes in is not that big. So I'm not sure whether to consider that one, but uh, you could class something like uh, Zaya, Legends of Adrift. I mean, that's a pretty sizable box. Uh, Edge of Darkness down there would be a perfect contender. In fact, spoiler alert, I think that would probably make the list. But yeah, Edge of Darkness comes in a massive box, regardless of how you get it. So that one is certainly a contender. But I don't know. We'll just have to see what we can do. But that's the top 10 we're going to do. It'll be live probably later this month. My throat doesn't fall apart by then. And uh, yeah, well, I'll put it up. I'll put up a live stream uh, preparation uh, thumbnail and that at some point soon, maybe after GridCon. And I'll let some of you know in advance with the time and that. And yeah, first live stream top 10 in a while. So looking forward to it. And hopefully a lot of you will too. So let's get on with, shall we say, some of the things today. I got a couple of things I want to do. So First off, I want to talk about a couple of games briefly that I'm playing, um, but only briefly because I am doing the reviews for both of these. So first up, we have Earthborn Rangers. Now, this is the game that I said I was reviewing earlier. Now, I only want to give a quick sort of update because Earthborn Rangers was meant to arrive about August time, like start of August, and then I could have played it to death and got it done and dusted before Essen. UK delivery, because the UK sucks, you know, got delayed again, and it meant that we didn't get the copies until start of Essen, which meant I could not even play this game until a good week or two after I got back from Essen. And lately, I've just had so many reviews to do and so much stuff to do on the weekends. Like, I've literally, I kid you not, inclusive of GridCon, which is the last weekend, six weekends in a row, I've had three-day excursions for conventions, for family, for other reasons. You know, this is the first weekend now that I've had that's free, which I've been able to do whatever I want, which has been a lot of recording and editing and stuff, but it's also included playing Earthborn Rangers. I've been playing a lot of it now. I've been playing some Deep Rock Galactic, you know, just to have some fun and chill. I caught up on Loki and Invincible. I binge watch uh, the bo um, the Gen 5, the boys spin-off. So I've had time to myself, finally. But Earthborn Rangers, I will review. Update at the moment, I've played through a decent amount of time but in terms of the overall campaign, probably only a small percentage, because this campaign goes on for loads. I mean, in, in Earthborn Rangers, you are basically, it's, it's almost like a post-apocalyptic world. But imagine that a calamity has happened and everything's kind of got back to normal in a sense, except wildlife and plant life has kind of retaken the globe. So everything's, the whole area, like the whole world is kind of like one big giant national park. And certainly the game makes a big deal about, you know, preserving wildlife and, you know, being all, you know, plastic and cardboard, well, not plastic, sorry, uh, cardboard and recycled materials and that. So, you know, this is one of those green games, as they call. But the idea is, is that you have this big map. This is only half of it there. And you have a deck of cards. You take a character. You customize the deck based on the type of character, personality, and trade skill that you want. And then what you do is that you basically get given the starting point, and then go off and kind of do what you like. It's an open world exploration and survival game. And what you do with the cards is that the cards represent things that you can play out, but also things you can commit for skill tests. And the idea is, is that you'll get, you'll get missions from various people, you'll interact with other characters, you'll, um, you, you know, you might have to avoid uh, animal wildlife or actually, you know, potentially kill it off, you know, it depends, you know, what kind of player you are and what equipment you have, although it does 
lead you more towards the not killing of animals. I mean, I've only just managed to get a weapon in the game that actually allows me to do any half-decent damage to an animal. So, you know, if I get, you know, if I get this big cat coming at me or something, I will get my weapon out. But there's multiple ways in the game that are based around not actually harming the animals. So it's trying to be kinder in that respect. But the idea with this game, this is more just sort of prototype components. So I'm trying to find uh, more context for the game, really. But it's the story aspect. You know, you go to a location, you get a bit of story blurb, and then you play through the deck of cards where the location deck is built up based on the terrain and where you are. And the, the path cards, as they're called, that you open up will you know, introduce new threats. I mean, you might come across, uh, you know, enemies to fight, you might uh, enemies to deal with, you might come across obstacles, you might come across other characters to interact with, they give you side quests, you can go off to a different location, and each game session is basically a day where you go through multiple locations, you can travel to multiple areas, which involves you having to reset the deck and that, and... You know, your character carries on until they're totally fatigued, which means that the deck has your deck of cards has run out to the point where you can't draw any more and, you know, you need to rest. And you can do this early if you like. But the characters are very different. I mean, you can have a shepherd. You can potentially have these, like, animal companions on them. Uh, you can, you know, be an, an artificer, like a kind of tech whiz who comes up with all the gadgets and stuff, you know, has a lot of tools. I'm playing a traveler-type person who basically is very good at traversing the landscape. And, you know, there's, and you can kind of play, like, a shaman character. There's a little element of mystical spiritualism in this game. But the... I must admit, I do wish they kept the old cover. You know, the cover of the normal game looks really bad. This was the first cover I saw of the game, and I think this cover is beautiful and looks a lot better. The one that they've replaced it with is pretty bland and uninspiring, frankly, but, ah, well, strokes for folks. But now this game has been good fun. Not flawless, though. I mean, it, the rulebook could be better. The rulebook is not... It's not that the rules are terribly complicated, although there are a few fiddly bits in there somewhere, but it's more that the rulebook's just poorly laid out. I mean, it's very difficult to reference stuff, and there's only a couple of little reference cards. They're not, uh, they're not sufficient to remember a lot of the rules in the game, and so there's a decent amount of FAQ moments. The game had some errata, which you must check out in order for a couple of missions to even not break at first, so there's certainly some Kickstarter woes that have come from this game. That being said... The experience has generally been good fun. Uh, the whole resetting of the deck between locations gets a little bit annoying, uh, uh, but the actual gameplay is sound. You have good decisions to make. You've got to balance out the use of your attributes. I uh, like the variety in how you can, which characters you can take, how you can build your deck, how you get new reward cards, which you basically swap in and out your deck. So you don't really add cards to your deck at least it hasn't been like that so far what you do is that you have to trade off cards that you already had so your deck's not getting any bigger you know you are essentially putting better stuff in but then you've got to think well, what am i going to take out now it's been a very solid game so far but i need to play it more i'm going to be playing it today for a bit and i'm eventually going to get it to a point where after gridcon i can give a proper review for this so it's a bit late to the party i was hoping to have a review done for this months ago but uh, better late than never, I guess. You know, it's not like you can buy it easily at the moment. So it's not like you're in a terrible hurry to get a review for this one out. But still, I want to get a review for this done before the end of November. And I'm currently on track to do so. But so far, so good. It's, a, it's you know, the story is... I mean, in terms of the overarching story, I'm not even sure if there is one, frankly. Because I'm sort of doing bits and bobs. But 
It's open world, not quite as open world, nothing matters like in, say, Lands of Galzir, that's much more laid back and light. This one actually has something going on, I think, in the background, but you just I just haven't encountered a lot of it yet. But, you know, I am encountering different people, and there's certainly changes, the world feels alive, where characters can sort of be here and go off and that. I've actually... Uh, I think I had one you know, minor spoiler alert. I did a quest where I had to take out a creature. And as a result, I mean, you had two choices. You get a lot of story branching things. You know, I could, I decided, you know, do you want to take out the creature or do you want to understand it more? And I decided, no, we got to take it out. Seriously, you want me to have like sympathy for this thing? No way. And so I took the creature out. And as a result, the creature is no longer in that deck. So whenever I traverse through a type of terrain on the game... I no longer have to deal with that creature, which is great because suddenly that's now a safer route to traverse. It's stuff like that, which is really cool. But I uh, will go into more thoughts uh, as I play through and soon you'll get a proper review. And then also briefly, because I am also doing a review for this, finally I managed to get in touch with somebody at Asmodee uh, UK to actually issue out some review copies. I mean, it's certainly like blood out of a stone sometimes, but they have provided me with a copy of Ticket to Ride Legacy, and yes, I am playing that one, and I am binging that one, because a group of friends of mine are going to be a, bit, a little bit annoyed that I have not played this with them first, but... Uh, we are still playing through Pandemic Legacy Season 0, and we're not likely to finish that until early 2024. I cannot wait until then to start this game, play it once a fortnight, and get through 12 games. It's just not going to happen. I need to get this reviewed before Christmas. So I found from my, probably my new favourite club now, the Southampton Club, <laughs> which has elevated itself above Portsmouth now, um, where I can always count on getting some reliable players. And yep, Literally put out the word out that day saying, I need three volunteers to binge through Ticket to Ride Legacy as quick as possible for the next few sessions. Like, three sessions it should take us. We've already done five games, um, and we got to do seven more. I reckon two more, e two more evenings at the Sob Club, and we'll have done it. So, I should have this. Um, we're playing it again tomorrow, which means next week, Monday, I should have this entirely played which is great. And I'm probably going to do the review after I fully played the campaign. I, I mean, I was contemplating doing a mid-thing mid review and an end-of-thing review, but I just think I've got too much content to get done to do two videos of the same game. So I think I'm going to wait until I've played the entire thing and then give you one big review. So that should be cool. It'll be spoiler-free, don't worry. And so will this. But yeah, I literally put the word out and the same, well, I think within the first 20 minutes, if that of the post on Facebook, literally three four or five volunteers actually turned up. I had to turn two down. Yes, I know you can play this with five players, but Ticket to Ride is not a game I like to play with five players, frankly. So, And it does say best with four here on the uh, BGG page. So, you know, so, yeah, talk about reliability with Southampton Club. But yeah, this one, uh, Ticket to Ride Legacy, is a legacy Ticket to Ride game. And I already love Ticket to Ride. You already know this. You take control of a... A railroad company. So you've got one of these railroad companies, a bit like from the Pennsylvania expansion. Uh, you start off with a map that's basically a partial jigsaw puzzle. Uh, the first game is pretty much exactly the same as normal Ticket to Ride, with one or two minor exceptions to the rule. Uh, but you've got a story deck. A story is technically being told. I'm not that fussed about the story, honestly. The story is whatever, it's there, it exists. But as you go through each game, other stuff gets unlocked, and probably by about the end of game three, 
you start getting into more of the meat, like expanding the board and stuff like that. Um, not a spoiler. I mean, look at it. It's a jigsaw. What do you think you do with it? But, you know, I'm not going to spoil anything else. But a lot of the mechanics are still ticket to ride, but you start getting new stuff added to the game, which will remind you of stuff they've added in expansions before, but maybe twisted slightly so it's not just complete copy and paste. But we're only five games in. I've still got another seven to go, so there's plenty more to uh, look into. But so far, we're really enjoying this. I mean, I don't think it's quite 10 out of 10 amazeballs like the Dice Tower and a few others have sort of said. But it's definitely like at least probably an 8 out of 10 for me at the moment. It is, it's, I mean, if you like Ticket to Ride, you're going to like this game, period. I mean, that's just a given. You know, you, you're not going to suddenly convert to this if you don't like Ticket to Ride. But if you like Ticket to Ride, you should love this game. It's, it's, it's just got to happen. Um, uh, there's not a lot much else I can say without uh, potentially spoiling stuff. I mean, this is not a spoiler, this picture. I mean, you know, you need to expand the board and there's different things that you can do, but they don't show what's on them, so that's fine. But the stuff we're unlocking is good fun. I do have some reservations about an event deck which you have, which does, you know, get added to and subtracted to as the games go on, but... The idea that you have random events that can make the game a little bit swingy is a little bit of an issue and certainly we have noticed some swings in who's won a particular game. Now we have no idea how this means for the end of the campaign but given that there is some strong swings of luck in this game and more so than the typical Ticket to Ride I would argue that we are basically just playing this for fun. We're playing this for fun because we like Ticket to Ride. All four of us. We're good fans of Ticket to Ride. So we're enjoying all the games and I'm having a great time. We couldn't care less who won at the end of the campaign. Once we've played 12 games of this, we're hopefully going to have enjoyed our time. And whoever wins, whatever you win. I don't know how it will total up the points. I mean, if it is just straight up add up all the money you've made in the in the entire 12 games, then I think it's just going to be the equivalent of roll a die and see who wins the campaign, you know, for that kind of reason. But we've enjo we're enjoying it. We do like it. So, so far, so good. But we'll let you know you know, how great it is, you know, or how how much of a disappointment it is, who knows, I mean, something could really go south in the next few games, you know, as we go through, so, yep, more to come on that, certainly getting it in the UK for £75 or whatever it is at the moment from online retailers is a lot better than paying €125 Euro that it was at Essen, oh my word, €125, Euro. that was a massive rip-off, especially as it didn't take long, what, like, it took a month for the game to come out on online retail for about 70-something pound. How good do you feel, everybody who bought it there? Ah, well, yeah, some people have just got lots of money. Right, um, I'm I'm going to talk briefly on these because I, I I stopped doing Kickstarter videos because I just I haven't got the time to research a ton of Kickstarters or, you know, go too mad into that. There are channels who devote their time to it. I don't like previews. I don't like you know, hyping up Kickstarters so that people spend their money. So I just kind of didn't feel like doing them. But I figured occasionally I could highlight one or two and just sort of do what I did in those Kickstarter videos, but do them in the podcast just every now and again, not even every time. And there's certainly a couple that are getting their uh, uh, talks at the moment. Uh, the Old King's Crown. I have no idea why this is so popular because I've barely looked at this game, but everybody keeps talking about it. Uh, Mark Monk, uh, Ninja Geek Games, he had a copy of it, a prototype copy, I think, at Essen. I saw him playing it two-player, and I just could not really understand what he was going on about. But 
I looked at this and I thought, is this like a dungeon crawl? Is this a uh, a a like interactive area control game or is it a Euro game? I couldn't really tell. Uh, you know, what is this? A tale of royalty, rebels, and ruses. Strategic board game, one to four players. Uh, okay, story. I mean, the artwork's nice. It's a uh, it's a different style. It's not the first style I would gun for, but I do think it looks very nice. So, and this is Eerie Idol Games. So this is a this is an Edinburgh-based publisher. So it's actually UK-based. So maybe that's why it's getting a bit of um, traction more in the UK actually than it is elsewhere. Because you know, I know Mark Monk has talked about it, and I know Paul Grogan has talked about it, and uh, I think he's actually done a full playthrough of it, and Mark Dainty. Uh, not board gaming has also done a solo play a review of it so yeah uh, i guess that's why it's popular in the uk at the moment but it looks nice on the table but what did you do in it so you take the role of an heir to an ancient crumbling keep uh, kingdom you will attempt to outmaneuver your rivals in rounds that include bidding bluffing hand management and emergent gameplay opportunities sounds like it's got everything in the kitchen sink in it which is a slight worry uh we've got a blurb here from the designer of root and pax Pamir. Who gives it um, its blessing? Okay, fine. A uh, bit of story. All right, what makes it special? Okay, but this is something nice that should be on most Kickstarter pages, actually. A beautifully illustrated. Yes, I get it. it looks nice. That's fine. Uh, right, fine. Low luck, highly strategic play with bidding, bluffing, hand management, high player interaction, and emergent gameplay opportunities. So, you're going to be in each other's faces, or is it going to be direct, mean confrontation? Uh, invented blend of new and old mechanisms. Yeah, whatever. I mean, this is all PR speak. Yeah, we listen to this line. Inventive blend of new and old mechanisms that reward strategic planning and encourage creative plays. That tells me jack about the mechanisms of the game. That is entirely PR speak. Yeah, that, t that told me nothing useful. I could make that up. Uh, four asymmetric factions. Okay, all right, fine. Uh, deluxe components are standard. All right, fine. Wooden pieces, dual air boards, tarot size faction cards. Oh, I do like tarot size cards. Uh, a fully fledged solo mode, co designed by Ricky Royal. Okay, fair enough. I haven't played a lot of Ricky Royal's solo modes, but uh, mainly because he does some for stuff like you know, John Company and Pax Pamir, which I don't tend to play. But, um, you know, Pax Pamir, I think. I don't know. Do people like the Pax Pamir solo mode? I was tempted to buy that game because I remember enjoying it okay from the multiplayer game, but people tell me not to buy it for solo. I don't know. You tell me. But, okay, fine. Uh, a few other quotes. Gameplay overview. So, let's see. Four seasons. Take turns performing actions dictated by the current season, plus any additional actions acquired throughout the game. At key moments, players go head-to-head -head performing simultaneous actions, playing powerful cards in secret, or strategically misdirecting opponents and then resolving tense clashes. Okay, so drawing cards, you have a faction deck, you have to watch your hand size, you have to meet your hand size because your supply lines, you gain new cards, um, you have to curate your deck instead of churning and cycling. So this limit on shuffling results in a highly strategic, low-luck approach to deck management. Okay, so slight bit of deck building, I mean, like I say, kitchen sink. Uh, let's see, uh, make decisions, I right, go first. So, place your herald and supporters on the map. Uh, so, I guess worker placement or area control in a sense. Claim locations. Uh, you're bidding on regions. March and maneuver in the summer. Uh, committing followers and strategies. Uh, well, I mean, this sounds cool and it does look nice. 
what worries me is that obviously I can only take so much solace in previews because previews are just trying to sell the game here. But also, it's a first-time publisher. And as far as I'm aware, first-time designer. Um, I'm not aware that the designer has done any other games. In fact, I wonder. Let's have a look. Uh, Old King's Crown. The Old King's Crown. Somebody's going to have to show me this game. I don't think this is a game that I would back. But some, if somebody put it in front of me, a half-decent copy of it, I would give it a try. Uh, 60 to 90 minutes, so supposedly not long. Okay, one to four players. Uh, designer and artist is the same person. Pablo Clark, interesting. Have they done anything else? No. Right, so this is the first time. and So he's an illustrator mainly. He's his first design, and it's... Uh, first publisher right okay so that does concern me a little bit i'm a little concerned that that might make it a bit of a one of those kickstarter woe type games but it does look nice i mean it's uh it's tarot sized cards these the boards and that do look good i think this art is beautiful art i mean it's i don't know i'm, I'm starting to warm up a bit to that style actually it is it does look pretty nice from these faction cards so i would give it a look I would give it a look, but I don't think it's one I'll back. Uh, how much was it, actually? Let me check the price, because I suspect some of you want to know that. Visit this project. Come on. So we've got 11 days to go, and this will cost me, in the UK, I read I read earlier, it was £9 delivery in the UK, so it's cheap delivery in the UK. Oh, only £52, including Kickstarter-exclusive premium metal token. Oh, who cares about that? Uh, but that's the base game. So base game and expansion, £85. Here we go. This is where it gets you. And all in, £100. So this gets you board game base, Wild Kingdom expansion, some art prints and metallic foil designs. I don't care about the art prints. I'm not interested in that. So so to get the expansion would cost me £94. This is already another expensive Kickstarter. All right. So what do you get in this expansion then? Is it down here somewhere? That's base game, la 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 da, da, da. The Wild Kingdom, here we go. So what do you get? So Night Kingdom mapped six tiles, some metal influence tokens, a drawstring bag, some Wild Kingdom cards, and a few little modules to change with the game. But that's it. I mean, you're paying 30 extra quid to get this expansion. And I think most of that money is probably tied up in having metal influence tokens, which honestly you don't need you know, can you not give me the option to have wooden tokens so it's a bit cheaper? I don't know. So, I'd have to play it to decide. I don't think I want to pay 94 quid for this at the drop of a hat. Um, I am starting to wane off buying most stuff on Kickstarter. And I've only just backed the expansions to Deep Rock Galactic on Kickstarter. Which, yes, I know were stupidly overpriced, but I already know the game so i wanted to back those expansions yeah spoiler alert i do like it but yeah this one i'd be taking a huge risk and i mean i don't the only people i can trust so far on it are the ones i've just mentioned so those three i'd have to sort of look at what they have to say i don't you know don't care on some of these other ones uh, yeah not board gaming uh i have no idea who this is you really do need to do better thumbnails seriously channels you need to do thumbnails that illustrate what your channel is i don't recognize what your channel is from a picture of the game you need to put something on your channel like i know this is mark dainty's channel because it's got not board gaming logo on the bottom left 
come on channels this is basic channel 101 making or whatever uh but yeah so anybody else anybody else no nobody nope nobody nope so uh, nobody else i trust uh, well check out mark monk mark dainty not bored and 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 uh gaming rules paul grogan check out their stuff and see i might give this one another look maybe look into it a bit more but you're gonna have to do a lot to impress me for 94 pound all right and a bit more briefer than that one perseverance castaway chronicles episode three and four so you want to check out my thoughts on perseverance go check out my review it was a big review i think it was over 30 minutes slip some tea and I had there was stuff I liked in the games, but I had problems. One of which is this idea that it's episodic and it's two games in one, which means you've got to buy two games at once, which means more expensive. And also you have to, you know, the deluxe stuff was just overkill. Like you do not need all those miniatures. They were, they were nice miniatures, but man, the storage space and the stuff that was on the table just made this ridiculous. But I had problems in that you had to buy two games and you had to hope that you liked both. I liked both, but I preferred the mechanics of the second one, but then the second one was ridiculously overcomplicated, really fiddly, and took forever. It took you like three to four hours to play a four-player game, and you got 12 actions if you were lucky, and some of those actions could just be get to scrap, like that. It was just, it really didn't work in that respect, but there was stuff I liked about it. But yeah, I mean, I think I gave it a six. I think I would actually drop it to a five now. It's just... It's average. It, it's just too much faff, too much stuff. It's oh, it's bloated. It's too bloated for what the games are. So, can't say I'm that excited for 3 and 4. And this is probably something I'm not going to back. Because I don't want another giant box like this. I mean, look at that. That is such a massive box. If you've got both, if you've got all four episodes, you're going to have all two of these giant boxes on your shelf. And then you've got more of these dinosaur miniatures. And it looks like there's even more there. It looks like you can put saddles on them. I mean, that's kind of half cool i guess kind of reminds me of the dino riders tv show Who remembers that as a kid but the thing is you've then got to think right two games i mean i'd love the fact it says a series of four medium heavy competitive euro games they're heavy they're heavy games people all these games unless three and four turn out to be medium weight one and two are heavy let's just be honest come on uh they use dice placement and you know episode one was about base defense and temporary cooperation Episode 2 was about engine building and expansions. So what have we got now? Tableau building, dino placement and exploration. I mean, that sounds better mechanically. And then 4 is battling the ancients and shipbuilding. I mean, that sounds like a more direct conference. That sounds like a very different game to the rest. <clears throat> but, you know, the entire saga is replayable in the chronicle mode, but you can play each episode as a standalone game. Who's got the time to play all four of these in the chronicle mode? That does seem a little bit ridiculous. But, yeah, well... So, you know, are these going to... I mean, the Tableau building game sounds cool, although Episode 3 still has this massive board and dinos all over it, different sections. And there's obviously a map element, so I'm not quite sure where the, uh, you know, the, the where the sort of, like, Tableau part is. But it says, focuses on continuous play, constant player engagement, and streamlined rules, with playtime in complexity slightly below Episode 2. Episode 2 is one of the most is one of the more fiddly and complex games mind clash have put out 
To say it's slightly below episode 2 is not saying much, and I don't believe for a second that makes this medium heavy. <laughs> Streamlined rules. Oh, well, I won't be the judge of that, because I don't think this is something I'll look into, frankly. I think I'll be giving this one a pass, but medium heavy streamlined rules. Yeah, we'll see about that. But, <clears throat> ah well. So, I mean, it's got similar components. It's got the similar iconography. It still looks like a bit of an icon mess on the board, though, like trying to understand what's going on. So, yeah, well, we'll see how that is. But what's this episode four one like? And yes, Paul Grogan's doing this thing on it, so by all means, check out his stuff. So episode four, another giant board, another ton of components. I mean, crap, blimey, you could just get these four episodes and they'd be your entire board game collection. <laughs> so what do you have here? So this one, uh, two main strategies. You may fight back the ancient threat or refit and man the pearl of the season and attempt to escape the island. Uh, episode one, episode four is won by the player who obtains the most glory. Yeah, victory points, whatever. Um... So, episode 4 is designed to have dynamic and impactful turns, overall shorter playtime, and fewer rules than episode 3. So, this one could be the easiest of the four, maybe on par with number 1, but number 1 still has a fair amount of rules. And again, what's easy in terms of that? I mean, Septima was meant to be the easier Mind Clash game, and look how that's turned out. So, I think Astra is probably the only easy game for Mind Clash, and even then, that's a spin-off publishing one, and not that good a game. But, I mean, and solo mode, so obviously I think, obviously David Turtsey is going to be going now. You're going to have to pilot two separate characters, the dissenters. It was well designed to automate opponents, but it was just too much faff to keep up with the solo mode. And that's the problem with the Mind Clash games. It's the same with the Lacerda games. The solo modes are just too much faff to pilot. I'm doing so much work piloting the AI that I'm not having enough fun playing my game. And so I just don't play those games solo. You know, I can get Spirit Island out and play pretty much the exact same game as I do multiplayer, but with some slight balance changes because it's solo, and I can do it really quick and get the same feel as the game and not have to spend ages piloting an AI. And it's one of my favorite games. So, you know, there's something to be said about not always needing some complex AI that you have to pilot. AIs can be good, but simple AIs are better than complex ones. So, how much is this one? This is oh, this will be fun. So, hundred and fifty-five pounds. Whoa! I remember the previous one being a uh, much more cheaper than that. I know prices have gone up since, but whoa! I mean that is pretty expensive, and that's just the standalone edition. So hang on a minute. So that's the standalone edition. What is it for everything? Alright, come on, show me. It's got to be somewhere. Uh, Perseverance expansion all in. Right, so... So you want everything. So what's standalone and expansion all in then? How does that work? Expansion, chronicle mode, episode one. Expansion all in. is in. If you do not own anything of Perseverance there, want all content and do not want to duplicate components in your two boxes. Uh, please note with this all in, you will need certain trays from episode 1 and 2 box to play episode 3 and 4. Okay, so it's kind of a mixture. So what's the standalone all in? If you do not own anything and you don't want to open the episode 1 and 2 box to play 3 and 4. Okay, so they have shared components. You're talking £300, oh sorry, €300, Euro, as if that makes any difference for pound sterling, or €330 Euro for everything. But 155 to get 
standalone normal or 125 for the expansion edition if you've already invested in the other one and then you got all these add-ons which are mostly language packs so fair enough uh but what is the shipping and who's who's done stuff on this uh uh no no gaming rules oh yeah he did an interview with david turks in designer so that should be pretty cool um well, not many people have done stuff on this i mean they're a bit more picky which is good uh shipping whoo 19 19 euro for the expansion edition 23 for standalone and extra 10 if you've got to do everything oh, so you are paying if you're going all in you're paying something in the region of 360 330 odd to 360 odd euros Whew. i mean yeah it's for four games but that still works out at a good, what, 80-odd euro game? It's a lot, especially when you don't know ahead of time whether you enjoy all of them. But still, I mean, I didn't enjoy one or two enough with the amount of faff it was to get into them. The whole idea of making them episodic just makes them disjointed. The fact that you're playing part of a story, but I'm never going to play the Chronicles all the way through... That's just too much. It's too much blow. It's not worth the time and effort. I mean, I don't own Voidfall for the same reason. You know, Voidfall was a fun game, but it was just too much faff. So, you know, this one I think is just going to be the similar problem. It's going to have its fans, and I certainly wouldn't say no to playing these games if they were out. Well, not one and two. I won't play them again, but I would try three and four to see if I like them. But, yeah, this is not one I have any interest in backing and probably no interest in reviewing at this point. It's it's too much. All right, fine. Let's get on to uh, the last bit of the show. Uh, I need to really take some drink. Oh, God, yeah. Throat is struggling. I'll try and be briefer with this one. But basically, people have asked me, Luke, thank you for this review of Nucleum that you did. You know, this great review that is doing six all well, right they didn't say great well i don't know some of them did whatever uh but six thousand views and 98.3 this is what actually surprised me actually 98.3 likes and dislikes i didn't give the game a 10 out of 10 i gave it a 7 out of 10 so i said it was good not great i expected all the fanboys to jump on me but 294 likes only five dislikes you know from the fans so 98.3 percent is pretty dang good going actually in fact a lot of my recent reviews have been pretty high up in 99 sweet mess was even a hundred percent you know no dislikes at all you know usually dislikes come from people who either hate the game when i like it or love the game when i don't like it as much so that's usually the case but there's always one troll who dislikes every video i do which i think is just somebody who has it out for me i mean i've got a few theories about who it can be frankly um but yes so you know nucleum does the job 6,000 views, keep watching it, it was a great, you know, it was a fun review to do, but it certainly took a while. So, but I also mentioned in that review that to be objective, I had to stipulate that I don't like the predecessors that came out for it, Brass and Barrage. I never did a review for Barrage, I did a review for Brass, it was ages ago in the older format, and I had to review it based on trying to stay as objective as possible. Like, you know, I I did not particularly like the game, but I had to give it some praise for stuff it did that I knew other people were liking. And so I settled on a 6 out of 10. 
My personal opinion is that Brass is more of a 3 or 4 out of 10. Yeah, I do not like the game. But I don't hate it as much as Barrage, which I would gladly, you know, I would gladly sell my soul to the devil if it meant spontaneously combusting every copy of Barrage that's out there. It, it's, it's something that would be in my top 10 hated games, I think, at this point. So I said on the video and on some comments, when people said, well, what, are your, what is it you don't like about these other two? Well, I'm about to tell you. I'm going to tell you briefly what I don't like about these games. Now, a couple of caveats. Firstly, this is just my opinion, not yours. If you love the game, fair play. You know, I may something. I will more than doubt say something that you disagree with, which is fine. You love the game, I don't. <laughs> You're just listening to what I have a problem with. Also, I have not played these games in ages. Okay, so my knowledge of the rule set might be a little bit iffy. All right, but. This is just my memories of what I don't like. So, let's start with the easy one, Barrage. Now, I'm doing this on my uh, dummy player uh, account, so uh, you can't see my uh, ratings and stuff like that, thankfully. But, Barrage. So, Cranio Creations. You have to... 1930s, Industrial Revolution, whatever. We've seen this a million times, this theme. Resource Management Strategic Game. Strategic Game in which players build their majestic dams, raise them to increase their storing capacity and deliver all the potential power through pressure tunnels connected to the energy turbines of their powerhouses. Already that theme puts you to sleep. Um, but each player represents an international company who is gathering machinery, patents and engineers to claim the best locations to collect and exploit the water of an alpine region crossed by rivers. So you must plan your actions and handle the machinery because both your action tokens and resources are stored on a construction wheel and are only available after a full turn of the wheel. So you have to plan ahead. It's not a bad mechanic, but it is a bit of a faff. Um, secondly, the water or flow on the rivers is a shared and contested resource. This is where things get a bit more problematic. Players have to intercept and store as much of the water as they can, build dams, and, you know, uh, dams are expensive, can but can block part of the water before it reaches downstream, raise the dams to increase their capacity, build tunnels, blah, 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 blah. So it's all about nicking the flow of water and stopping it from other players. Okay, so it's a Simone Luciani game, and I have already said that Simone Luciani is a very hit-and-miss designer with me. There are maybe two, three games that I like from the Simone Luciani. I like Newton, 7 out of 10. I like Golem. 8 out of 10 would probably drop to a 7 by now because I haven't played it in ages. So we're talking 7 out of 10. And Nucleum, I gave a 7 out of 10. You know, he, he, he's capable of getting a seal endorsement from me. At no point do I ever foresee Simone Luciani giving me a game that will give me a 9 or a 10 out of 10. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. So, you know, it's one of these style of games. So, all right, so let's get on to my negative points here because, frankly, I don't really have anything good to say about this. Firstly, aesthetics... This is a horrible looking game. Look at that. Cranio Creations need to sack whoever their artist is and get some better artists in because the art they use in their games, all their games, look bad. Is there a single Cranio Creation game that looks good on the table? I'm not aware of any. You know, certainly none that I would say, oh yeah, fantastic artwork. But this board looks bland. Everything's all browns and mucky greens and yellows. The water looks uninspired. I mean... You know, the wooden pieces look very generic. It's like the whole thing just looks bland. And nothing in this game is aesthetically pleasing. And component quality was dubious as well. I mean, a lot of these felt very cheap. Even the wooden pieces felt cheap. 
you had some sort of dual layer boards yes but you know basic variety but these construction wheels oh my god i wanted to throw my construction wheel out of the window when i played this these little prong things there the spokes so spindly and fiddly that i actually had pieces go underneath the spokes at times when i was turning the wheel you know i mean maybe it was an early copy maybe it was the I, I think i heard the first print run had really bad components and maybe they fixed it in a second reprint but still no excuse i'm sorry you you funded enough money on kickstarter buy components at work and so this wheel just became such a faff to deal with okay so that's aesthetics the gameplay also kind of boring I mean, Nucleum's not the most fun thing in the world. You know, I'm lighting up buildings, but the action tiles and some other actions in that game make up for it enough to bring it up to a 7, but no higher. This one, though, you're lighting up stuff, but how you do it is just the most vindictive, evil, and menacing game I've played in ages. You are outright stomping on the faces of your opponents. And I don't just mean, oh, you slightly blocked my space. No, you can outright cripple the engines of various other players, and it's not like they know what to do about it. First turn, I can say, right, I'm going to build this dam or engine like turbine thing here. I've chosen one spot on this entire board. I'm going to start off here. Next person can literally build next to me or above me and just go, I'm going to build there. I'm nicking off your water. I haven't even started the game yet, and already I'm being dicked on. You know, come on. You've got everywhere else on the board to go, and you choose to go there. And the whole game is just constantly stealing stuff from opponents, you know, stealing spots, getting in their way, you know, siphoning off what they've done. Nothing in this game feels like, ooh, I got something nice, or I earned a nice little bonus or anything. Everything here feels like a slog. It feels like I'm literally trying to walk up the dams. You know, it's just super punishing. And I don't like those types of games. I don't like games that punch you in the face every time you take a turn. And it's like, okay, rich get richer, but you you suck. You're not getting anything. Oh, you're falling behind? Oh, well, tough. You're playing this for another three to four hours. So uh, take it. Yeah, take it. Yeah, you, you can't do anything. Oh, your turn's not that interesting? Well, tough. Take it. And it's just, those aren't fun. They're frustrating and not fun. Now, I played uh, Germany. In the first game I played of this, I played a couple other games to try and give it a chance, and it really failed. But the first game I played of this, I played Germany. And you can build stuff off your board and get various bits of income. The Germany board had a lot of victory point income stuff. I kid you not, I only won just, but I won the game literally just by building off my board and sucking up VP income. In a game that is supposed to be about building dams and generating electricity, I pretty much ignored that entire aspect of the game just building stuff randomly in places and build, generating the bare minimum of electricity to not get sucked into penalized uh, victory points, at least not all the time. And I still won. That doesn't make sense for a game like which is meant to be focusing on all the stuff and all I can do is cheese my way out a victory like that. Now, that obviously wasn't the case with other factions I tried. You had to do a bit more of the energy stuff. But the game is just so evil so mean so punishing so much of a slog to get from a to b i mean you've got to plan like what resources you're going to get god knows how many turns in advance because of this wretched wheel because you can't get them until you do a full turn of the wheel god knows when that will be that could be multiple turns in the future what am i supposed to predict for that and 
just everything feels like you don't get anything good. It just feels like you get the bare minimum and you've got to slog your way through it. And it's, I don't want, to, I don't want to spend my day trudging through a bog pit to get from A to B. But that's what this feels like: a multi-step trog through a bog pit to get from A to B, whilst people are stamping on your face and trying to shoot you <laughs> with sniper rifles from afar. I don't know. Insert whatever meme you want here for how mean and punishing this game is. But ah, uh, it's horrible to look at. It's a beast to play. I just don't like it. And I get it's got its fans. However, being 35 in the Board Game Geek Top 100 is stupidly overrated. You know, it does not deserve it. I I mean, I know people are going to disagree, especially the Barrage fans. But you love it, you play it. I know I never have to play this game again. And even though I've been on a bit of a mission lately to play games that I previously didn't like to see if I like them again. I mean, I tried it with Terraforming Mars and warmed up a bit. Doing Imperium, I warmed up a little bit more. I still think it's horrendously overrated, and Uprising is basically a map pack expansion, but still, it's warmed up a little bit with the expansions. I'm even saying to my friends I'd like to play Great Western Trail again. I don't like the original Great Western Trail. I thought it was a terrible game, but the New Zealand one looks pretty cool with the sheep and that. I saw them playing it. It looked cool. By now, you'd think with a second edition of the game and two implementations, they would fix some of the problems I had with the original game. I've asked them to teach me it. So, you know, I'm I'm willing to try old games again. I even tried uh, Brussels, 1893. Um, Hilmar taught me that again at uh, Essen. I thought the game was terrible at first, and I still think it's terrible. I'm not going to say that I'm suddenly going to convert to all these games that I try again, but I'm willing to say that after six, seven years of not playing the game, that taste might have changed. But Barrage ain't going to happen. I don't want to play this ever again I hate it. I want it to burn in hell. <laughs> so I just I cannot stand this game. Ugly, mean, punishing, boring. Uh, just hate it. Hate it, hate it, hate it. All right, well, maybe this will be a little bit more cheerful. Let's go on to uh, Brass Lancashire or the Map Pack Expansion Brass Birmingham. And I say Map Pack Expansion because it drives the fanboys nuts when I say that. But for, frankly, it's literally the same game except you added beer and changed a couple of buildings around. That's not a full-fledged standalone game, okay? So the idea that this is number one on BGG and Lancashire is only like 10 spots below it. Oh, don't get me started on that. The broken BGG ranking system. And this works for me, okay? There shouldn't be a hundred different ticket-to-ride entries. There shouldn't be a bunch of separate entries for games which are literally the same game. All right? So... You know, there is that aspect. Oh, one second. I just need to switch the battery on here. There we go. Yeah, so very briefly, those of you on audio, I just had to turn the battery on because the laptop was about to die. But yeah, brass. Oh, boy. Look, the art is fantastic. I think that if you're going to take a dreary time period as this, this artist deserves a raise. I think you, I mean, it still looks like dark and dismal and that, but it kind of gives me, I mean, the nighttime board of Brass Birmingham gives me the vibe of Frostpunk um, on the computer game. When you see those lit buildings at night, it looks like that. And I think it's fantastic looking. So, you know, not going to deny that when you compare Barrage to Brass, Brass pretty much eats Barrage for breakfast when it comes to, uh, you know, gameplay and the artwork here and but here's the thing 
brass again boring theme i don't care about this industrial revolution stuff okay it's not an interesting part of history for me and i've seen it so many times god knows how many times we learned about victorians in primary school and secondary school so they wouldn't shut up about it and it's just not an interesting time period i don't think and games just cannot get away from this I would love more ancient history civilization games. You know, that'd be pretty cool. But no, it's all about Industrial Revolution, 1930s or 1894, building up coal, iron, and steel or whatever. And it's like, seriously, can we not innovate here on the themes? But I digress. That's not the main reason I don't like this game. So you have your boards, and I'm using the Birmingham boards, for example. But frankly, most of what I say can apply to Lancashire as well, because it is the same game. You know, but here, so you have to build these buildings in order and you have the uh, steelworks, you have the coal mines, you have the beer brewery, which I think is hands down the best thing to build. Uh, cotton, these middle weird uh, dome shaped weird things or whatever they are, the cones of Dunshire buildings or something. I've, I've never seen anybody really build those. And the goods buildings at the top, which I swear are not even worth the price of admission. I mean, the, uh, no, I have never seen anybody win the game with those goods. They just don't give you enough income or any bonuses worth a damn for the amount of investment they require. And every time I have tried, every time I've seen others try, they have lost the game. So I just don't think that they are particularly well balanced. If you're going to do well in this game, I find every time I've played this game, if, you know whether I've won or lost. And to be fair, I've you know I think it's kind of I suppose it was kind of fifty fifty whether I won or lost in the games I did play of this. But most of the times I won the game. I did it by building beer, you know, or in the Lancashire game, I did it by doing the coal and iron bits. So basically, because it's the resources you produce can be used by other players, but you get a little something for it. I like to do those. And in the Birmingham one, especially beer is very important. So I always try to monopolize on the steel or the coal or the beer, usually the beer. And that usually wins me the game because I'm getting benefits while other people who need the stuff off me are utilizing my resources and so you know those are the ways i do well in brass but i've never done well with cotton mills and i've never done well with these refurbished goods so there's a bit of a weird balance issue with those but brass is not a game i hate barrage is a game that i would say spontaneously combust please brass i still think is horrendously overrated but i can't say it's a terrible game it's just and i certainly do like using these clay chips for other games but Here's a couple of things. Firstly, like I say, I find the gameplay quite boring. I don't find building on these networks, you know, and building up some of these buildings off your board and that and let's generate a bit of money and a bit of steel here and a bit of coal there. I just don't find it interesting. I think it's a boring theme and a boring concept. It's also very restrictive. You know, in Nucleum, I mentioned that some of the restrictiveness that was in Brass doesn't apply in Nucleum. You have more freedom to get around the board and connect up to different areas. You don't have that freedom in Brass because your actions are determined by a hand of cards. And the problem with the card system is that, yes, it does give you the opportunity to use several cards as a wild or something like that. But it's very inefficient. It will really restrict you in other ways. And uh, was it a refill hand to eight cards? Uh, discard one card per action. Doesn't even mention anything about doing the wild thing on this one, but I know it's a thing. You can discard something like that. But the problem with the card system is that 
you find yourself in a situation where you need to do something critical because in nucleum you can potentially get blocked but it's harder to be totally blocked there's usually a way around here though it's very easy in brass to get blocked entirely out of areas and if you don't have the cards and the resources at that critical moment to get in the way of someone trying to screw you over in that respect you are done like you have no chance you might really need a particular building card or i really need the uh Sloan building guy. I don't know my geography of Birmingham. It's not a city I like to visit, but I don't know. Let's say I need to have Redditch cards right now. Otherwise, I'm screwed. Oh dear, I don't happen to have Redditch cards. And I need this card for something else. Well, I can't do much about it. Oh dear, I got blocked. Woe is me. The card system I just find too restrictive. And the fact that you've. And you can't just build railways willy nilly. I mean, you've got to be in specific areas to do it. It just, well, the canal routes or railways, whichever. It depends on the time of the game. But I just found it so restrictive and a bit too punishing. And if you are taken out of the running in this game, you're done. No chance. You know, you've got two halves of the game. If by the end of the first half, you're not in a decent enough scoring position or income position, you're done. You've no way to pull it back. So you've got to sit through the other probably 90 minutes, two hours of the game because the first half is quicker than the second half. Uh, but you're talking in a three-hour game. You're talking at least 90 minutes, two hours that you're sat there just going through the motions. Like you have no way to bring yourself back if you're falling behind by the time you convert from canals to railways. So that's always a put-off. I don't like pseudo-knockout in my games, particularly long games. Um, but other than that, there's not a huge amount of other things I don't like in the game. But there's nothing really that I do like. This one's not so much a, oh, it's terrible, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I don't like the card system, and I don't like the restrictiveness of it, and I don't like its theme. Mainly, Brass's problem with me is that I just find it boring. It's not inspiring to me. I can look at the pretty pictures on the board. When I say pretty, the good art on the board. It's not a game I would call pretty, but it's a game that I would, good, I would say it's got good artwork. And I can look at that and go, this looks nice, okay? The rules are also not the most fiddly rules I've ever come across. They're a bit more streamlined in terms of how some actions work, although it is still a bit of a struggle to remember how half of the things work with regards to uh, how the buildings increase your production and how the tiles flip when people take the resources and stuff. I'm like, huh? That takes a little bit to get your head around how that works. It's not that well explained. But it's just the fact that it's, again, it's a mean and punishing Euro and just not to the extent of barrage and i just find it boring nothing i play the game the same way every single time beer coal steel pick one if not two of them and focus on those and i tend to do well whether i win or lose that way you know cotton mills don't seem to really do it for me they're too expensive uh i these dome buildings are just weird i mean it costs you a ton for the first one and then nothing for the second one, but then you don't get any bonuses from it. And then it leaps up again for the third. It's a weird system. And I've yet to see anybody necessarily do well with them. And the less said about the refurbished goods, the better. So it's just it's just an uninspiring game for me. And it doesn't matter if you put Lancashire you don't doesn't matter if you put Lancashire in front of me or the Birmingham expansion in front of me. Either way, it's still the same problem I have. It's just, you know, I love the cover. It's gorgeous. I'm not gonna deny that. But the first one, you've got a heavy reliance on these ports. You're pretty much doing steel or coal, you know, cotton mills, whatever. But steel or coal is kind of my focus. But I would say it's probably even easier to get screwed out in that one. 
And God, yeah, the less said about the god-awful looking 2013 version, the better. I mean, you know, I feel sorry for these two ladies in the photo. You could be playing a good game right now, and instead you're playing brass. Why is there a button moon photo? There's a... What? There's a button moon photo with a tile from brass on... Can't shake the thought that the new flip tiles look like they're on various moons. That's a weird reference. <laughs> that is a weird reference indeed. But, you know, I love staring at the board. But Brass, just don't like playing. But I don't hate its guts. I can see why people like it. I just find it boring. And I do think it's vastly overrated. The fact that this is at number... What is this at? Rank 20. So Lancashire is at 20. And, you know, Birmingham's at number 1. No way should both of these be in the same list. Because they are both the same game. I don't care what you say, people. Birmingham is basically Lancashire. And... I just, I mean, for crying out loud, you know, some of these games, uh, I, that's a topic, I've already discussed this in another podcast, I don't want to get into a rant about the BGG ranking system at this point, you know, suffice to say, Brass is just not a game for me, but I, I have a bit more respect for it than Barrage by Miles, Barrage I have zero respect for, but Brass I can be like, fine, it's a game I won't play, it's a game I won't return to, you know, it exists. I think it shouldn't be this highly rated, but you want to enjoy both of these games and go right ahead. There's plenty of other games for me to play. So, yeah, there's just some of my thoughts on why I don't like these two games, which is more of a shock that Nucleum actually turned out to be a reasonable game for me. I mean, it, I mean, 7 out of 10. I contemplated a 6, but I went up to a 7. Um, I think there was enough good in the game to make me like it. It's not a game I'm going to hang on to. I'm not keeping the game. Uh, but my friends have it. If they want to play it, I'll play it. You know, I have issues with the game. And I'll, I've explained them in my review. So by all means, check out the Nucleum review. But it's quite a lengthy one. Nearly 30 minutes. But there's a lot to talk about. I mean, I'm not I'm not as fussed about the length of some of these reviews now. You know, a lot of these reviews are in the 20 minute, 25 to 30 minute mark now. But I just think that if I'm going to tell it how it is and give you all the detail you need to know overview of the game similar games it's like the pros the cons a verdict i'm sorry you're just gonna have to accept the videos longer but yeah you know so those are my reasons and that's the way it is whoa that was a longer episode than i thought my throat is really not liking this <laughs> but hour and 10 minutes so that's it for me i'm gonna sign off i'm sure all your lovers of brass and barrage are gonna hate me for that but uh that's a score. You know, you can hopefully see what it was about the two games that I wasn't a fan of. And to be fair, Barrage is the one I really don't like. Okay, Brass is the one... Barrage is the one I really don't like. Brass is one I don't like, but could accept it's there or whatever. It's the one that I can give a pass to. But Nucleum fixes some of the problems that those two games had for me, which is why I like it a bit more. Not tons more... But enough to give it a seal of endorsement, which is pretty good praise, given that I wouldn't give a seal of endorsement to the other two. I mean, I wouldn't even give Barrage a time of day, you know, so I wouldn't even show it to Mercy. All right, get off the topic. Yeah, that's just the that's just how I feel. So, yeah, I'm going to wrap up there. Thank you for listening and watching this. I'm going to edit it and stick it online. I'll see some of you at GridCon uh, next week. Uh, but for now, just check out all the other videos I've got. As I say, free reviews coming out over the course of the next week. So plenty of stuff to keep you occupied uh, for this week. And while I'm at GridCon, 
Um, I'll talk about what I played at GridCon on the next podcast, probably in two weeks' time. But other than that, just uh, remember as always, and I have to remember as always, particularly with those other two games, it's only a game. We can all like different things, so just play what you like to play and have fun. Take care, and bye for now, everyone.